0: All around Madison, there's no shortage of student luxury apartments, parking garages, and hotels popping up around town. So today, we're asking the question, how do you build a building? I'm Lisa speckard pask and I'm the Metro Reporter. And I'm
1: Abby Becker, and I cover city and county government.
2: And I'm Eric Lorenson. I write about technology.
0: And we're the MadSplainers. Are we ready for
2: this? Um, I am so ready for this. That was that was the that level of enthusiasm is to, Yeah, that's where I'm at. Good. Coming in hot.
0: With a shovel to build. Okay. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. How do you build a building in Madison? We're gonna answer that question today on Mad Spliners. We have Abby and Eric here to help me explain the development process. Hi, (laughs) Hi, Lisa. So excited to be here. They're going to play a fun little game of my own devising, which isn't really a game because it's pretty much rigged, but they will both be given a project to develop. And then we're going to lead them all the way through the city approval process.
2: And just as a heads up, these projects that Lisa has given us, these are real world examples of development proposals that have been submitted to the city. So... Maybe you will recognize them.
1: I mean, this is pretty much choose-your-own-adventure developers like yeah, developer style, absolutely. except that except that it's been preordained by Lisa. Exactly.
2: I and, don't even care though. I'm here to win. I'm, super I'm competitive. totally gonna
0: win. My like, building will get built first. It's like Monopoly, but like all the boring stuff before the buildings are not boring. Just kidding. It's gonna be wildly <laughs> exciting. <laughs> okay. So first of all. Lucky for you, loyal listeners, it's actually going to involve a look back to one of our previous episodes, because one of the first steps in figuring out how to build a building is looking at the zoning of the property that you are looking to build on. Um, Because like that zoning, remember, we talked about tells you what you can build on there, what type of building, sometimes how many stories, how many units, the density of them. Um, So that's step number one is figure out what is allowed on that property. Um, But therefore, if what you want to build (coughs) is not allowed in that zoning, you might have to go through a rezoning process. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, Eric, right hand or left hand? Right. Okay, don't open it yet. Well, jokes on you because left is. What I have that. given them mm, what their project they need to develop is, and now they might open them and tell me what their project is at the same time, like one singular reveal. <laughs> well, Eric has already done it, so oh. you're behind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Catch up, Becker.
1: <laughs> All right, you read yours first.
2: Okay, so hi, I'm Percival. I'm a developer. I'm uh, 40 years old. I like golf. To clarify, Um, I have
0: have written none of this.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have an extensive pog collection at home. And here's what I want to do. I want to build a single family home. And I will be doing this, ideally, on a vacant lot on the far west side of town.
1: All right, well, what was your stage name? Percival, Percival, the
2: 40-year-old pod collector.
1: Percival got a vacant lot, so here's what I got. I got the State Street Hotel. So I want to turn um, the lot at 122 State Street, um, which is a six-story home of the Fountain Bar, which also has office space, um, and formerly the two-star bar of Down into a 120-ish a uh, hotel room, nine story boutique hotel. So, so Abby's project yeah. is a little more complicated. There's a lot, can I? <laughs> yeah, you can read that there's a lot. Oh, so it's two properties, sorry. 122 State Street and 118 State Street. I, and th- then that's in I mean that's in you know the heart of State Street. That's a busy area. There's commercial stuff happening um this is going to be complicated.
0: Yes. Abby brings up a very good first point, which is that generally the more um, complex a project is, the longer it's going to take to get you through the city approval process. So Abby is already at a disadvantage. This is maybe not so great for her. Well, let's be
2: clear here. We're not actually talking to Abby right now. Abby, oh, that's true. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Who, who, who are you?
0: I'll be
1: Eleanor, uh, a a secret millionaire with developing dreams. Interests Mm. in buildings. All right, so we have
0: Eleanor and Percival. Excellent. Now, Eleanor and Percival, you both would like to get through the city approval process faster rather than slower, Um, not only because then you can actually start your process, but as I talked to um, Kevin Furco, who's the city planner, there are a lot of times um, called holding costs associated with holding onto a piece of land before you can actually start doing things with it.
3: There are holding costs, and we certainly understand that as part of the development process as far as the costs that the developers incur. And certainly our process is designated to, to protect the city's interest in reviewing processes, but we certainly don't have any intent to make it longer than it certainly needs to be. And we strive for predictability and to keep projects on track and to keep them per the schedule that we've had published.
0: Now, that said, developers may want it to go faster sometimes, but it's an important process so that the neighborhood has a chance to weigh in, the city has a chance to make sure the plans line up with city plans and zoning codes and things like that. So we'll see how this goes. Well, like I said before, the first step in any developer's process is to look up what the zoning is on your property to see what you can build. So we'll see if your dreams are insane or not. Here is your zoning. Percival, would you read yours, please? Do you conform to zoning in the area?
2: My area is zoned as a residential district. Oh, that's Personal good. Percival likes this. <laughs> um, however, here's the thing. I've been thinking about um, 20,808 square feet of floor area, Some including garages, for what what I'm envisioning here. And that's going to require a conditional use permit.
0: And like we talked about on our zoning episode, so conditional use means it is allowed in the zoning, but you have to get special permission via a conditional use permit. And it's not as complicated as rezoning the property. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I got the complicated one, so I need to rezone if I'm going to get this built. So uh, my project does not conform to the zoning of the area. Um, the current zoning only allows for six stories, and I wanted a nine-story boutique hotel. Uh, so that this means that I need to ask the city to rezone the property from uh, from downtown core, uh, which is what it's currently zoned at, to plan development. So this is
0: going
1: to be something. It's going
0: to be a little more challenging for Eleanor than for Percival. So now we're going to enter what they technically call the pre-application phase of the development process. So this is when the developer, you're meeting with city officials, they're looking at your plans, maybe giving them to um, different departments for feedback. Um, You are at this point strongly encouraged to start talking to the neighborhood and the residents around to see what they think about it. You are required Thirty days before you actually file the application to notify the neighborhood, but you're strongly encouraged to like be working with them before that. So we're gonna check in with your neighborhoods and All see right. what do they what do they think about this Our process.
1: Neighbors.
2: Um, shockingly, <laughs> people don't care. <laughs> yeah, I really know. Yeah, city staff uh, they have heard nothing from any. Of the residents. They're okay with in my you building residential this district. Big
0: old mansion.
2: Yeah, it's it's super cool with everyone apparently. <laughs> or at least no one's making a peep about it.
1: So, right on trend. uh, (laughs) Mine is more complicated. Uh, People do have concerns. So, um, yeah. So, this area, uh, the downtown area, is represented by Alder Mike Verveer. So, that's District 4 uh, downtown. So, that includes State Street. Um, And then, Alder Liddell Zellers, who is District 2, that's like the neighboring district. Um, So, there's some concern. They have some concerns. um, And those are traffic, uh, parking. There is no parking on site. So, if you know people yeah. want to use hotel, come a hotel coming in from out of town maybe they drove you know where they're going to put their car for however many days they want to be at the hotel that's a concern um, and then most of all the nine story height is is a is a concern especially as that you know doesn't follow the current zoning of the area and i believe is taller than
0: the other the neighboring buildings and the other buildings on that black. Taller than some of them, yes. If you've been following the situation in real life, there's a lot of discussion about the view shed and the views to the Capitol from different points on State Street. So that's been, I think the developers arguing that it doesn't affect the view to the Capitol at all. So there's a lot of controversy over this nine story height. Okay. would it be
2: fair to say that oftentimes when there is a project of this sort height is kind of usually like the number one talking point
0: it's a, it's a it can often be a huge sticking point for the neighborhood um density too but more often height just cuz it's more obviously like this is a large building there's just a um project approved this week at city council of this um technically four story development on um Johnson Street, where they were concerned about size and density. And you will hear that a lot if you follow local development news. Okay, so you talk to the neighborhoods, you kind of sometimes try to modify your plans to, you know, be more in line with what staff has told you so far and what the neighborhood has told you so far, if at all possible. Then you formally submit your application. This is a big moment, guys. The formal application. Percival's
2: been waiting for this.
0: His whole life, probably. <laughs> also, what is Percival going to keep in that in that house? In that yeah, twenty thousand like square foot
1: house. Like collections of like marbles. I feel like Percival. I, have a I
2: told collection. you I you collected pods, <laughs> oh, Eleanor. I mean,
1: I, was, I tuned you out. I tuned you out.
0: I'm too. I got a complicated building to build. I don't
2: have yeah, time to hear have your time ramblings.
1: For
0: this. <laughs> Um, but once you do send an application, they will make a ton of copies and send them to, like, all sorts of different um, city agencies. So engineering, traffic engineering, fire departments, zoning, police, metro transit, water utility, parks and forestry, and planning. Um, those agencies would get a chance to write comments and send them to the various committees that you guys are going to have to go through. And staff will also take a look at your plans and will rep- prepare a report about whether they think you're meeting the standards outlined in city plans and in zoning. So all that to say, everybody looks at these and you are scheduled to various commissions. You may or may not have to go to different commissions depending on your project.
2: Yeah, this is the moment where if there was a flow chart of this whole process, you'd begin having some like branching. Exactly.
0: Yes. Exactly. So for example... There's the Urban Design Commission. Not everybody has to go to that. Um, There's a couple different things that will make you have to go to urban design. Like if your building is in an urban design district, um, if it's a public project, um, and certain other zoning districts, there are just certain things that put you immediately you have to go to urban design. Not every city has an urban design district, but... um, I'll read you a quote. The city of Madison is a community of unique natural and architectural beauty. To ensure that buildings and landscaping enhance this beauty, the city creates special districts in which it can guide the design and appearance of the structures and land. So if you're in one of those districts, you have to go to Urban Design. So at Urban Design, you can get an initial approval, which means, okay, but you have to come back. Or you can get a final approval. You can get a final approval right away. Or they can refer you and then you have to go back and fix things.
2: So to, to clarify about the difference between an initial approval and a final approval, initial approval means we mostly are jiving with this but it's like there are a couple things. <laughs> I think details. that's exactly what it says. Okay. Is we
0: mostly are driving with official, this. That's official yeah. language.
2: Everyone snaps. Yeah. The... <laughs> Quote, it mostly really jiving. means
0: <laughs> that like, the general building and site design, they're cool with. You have to have, for final approval, they have to be driving with your like colors and materials and landscaping so it's a little more specific but you can go to one meeting and get final approval so eric you do not have to go to urban design commission because uh or uh, percival you do not have to go to urban <laughs> design commission i guess i'm going to urban design you do have to go to yes. urban design there's All a lot right. of
1: information <laughs> for you yeah. there udc here we come
0: all right. So the first time okay. you tried to go, they referred you. They said, no, come back later. So had to come back.
1: <laughs> um, so my designs had to change multiple times. I'm remembering this now from your reporting, Lisa. The design started off very what modern. What a long
0: journey it's been. Yeah. But in
1: – okay, so meetings with the neighborhood um, and committees and city staff, uh, this, those same concerns came up repeatedly. Um, and so – they were saying that the large flat building didn't fit into the rhythm and language of state street with its narrower, more narrow storefronts. Um, and it didn't pick up on the historic character of the area. Um, and that also the originally proposed modern metal materials really stood out. Um, and I, I think th- I've, I've heard this before with other developments on state street a while, a couple years ago, there was that huge development on the 100 block of state street and preserving that historic character was super important in those discussions as well. So, yeah. So then, um, so then more – there were more iterations of the designs um, fluctuating between more traditional and sort of in between yeah, traditional it's, and it's modern. It's gone
0: through many, many design at this point um, with – in response to neighborhood and plan commission and – or I mean, sorry, planning staff feedback has gone – tried to kind of go back and forth and try to find the middle ground between more modern and more traditional design. Sometimes – in your development process, you might also have to go to a landmarks commission. Ooh, I'm going there too. You definitely are. You have to go there. If you're in a historic district, if you are sometimes adjacent to a landmark or, um, I mean, if you are a landmark, obviously you're going to have to (laughs) do something there. But, uh, so you and state street, Eleanor are adjacent to the, uh, Historic Lamb Building, which is where Michelangelo's coffee is. It was built in 1905, and it was designed by master architect Louis Claude. I don't know who that is, but he must be important because he's on the historic register.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't it be so cool if it was actually Michelangelo? (laughs) It's like, oh, so that's where they got the name
1: from. (laughs) That would be very beautiful. Madison is a lot older than we
0: thought.
2: (laughs) I, I imagine it might actually happen from time to time, or like a residential district yeah like, like a landmark that's historical or something downtown
0: yeah. definitely I would say you know there are some properties mm-hmm. that you would be adjacent to a landmark so they're not going to let you build you know something monstrous and huge to overshadow that probably
1: right and I feel like a lot with you know, the commission members talk about is that, um, you know, they're thinking about a district as a whole or a whole area, not necessarily just like one block. So if you think about how something's going to, you know, fit in, you kind of have to take in the whole surrounding atmosphere. Absolutely. Now we'll see what All they right. said about
0: your atmosphere.
1: All right. At Landmarks Commission. Okay. Yep. So it's next to you, that historic building. All right, so the landmarks said that uh, the plans were large and visually intrusive as to adversely affect the historic character of the land building. That's not good news. That's not good news. That's, that's not, not news. what you want to hear from the Landmarks Commission. No, it means it's You never want to hear visually intrusive. That's like <laughs> a death knell. Um, so, And then they also said that the expanded State Street frontage um, was also problematic for the land building.
0: Now, I will note that, again, in real life since then um, – that has changed because they've changed designs yet again. And the landmarks came back and said, okay, this one is better. So you're in real life, you're getting closer to your All goal. Right. So my, the real version of this project is is moving along. So then something very tragic happened oh, to you. No. Oh, no. <laughs> Actually, I'm just going to explain this to you. because okay. So you, as we remember, you were on uh, 118 and 122 were the two properties that you were looking to renovate. Then it turned out that two other adjacent properties went up for sale, so you bought them so that you could use those properties as well. But because you added to your footprint of the building, you have to start the process all over again.
1: Yep. <laughs> this is a uh, monopoly when it's like, you know, go
0: back to Yep. Uh, to go start. to jail. Do
1: not yeah. pass code.
0: Yeah. Go to yeah.
1: well, I don't think
2: Eleanor's going to go to jail well, for hopefully. this crime. But, yeah. I stole the money to build the building. <laughs> But, yeah, that's that's rough. Wow,
0: that's super rough. So, so you're kind of on pause right now. You're okay. trying eventually to get to city council. So end goal. End goal is city council. Now, plan commission comes before city council. Plan commission, if you just need to um, get a conditional use permit, like Percival, or you need a demolition permit, plan commission can approve that for you. It does not have to go to city council. If you're trying to rezone, which Abby is, um, it goes to plan commission first and they make a recommendation about whether the city council should or should not allow a rezoning. So you need to go to plan commission, get them to advise that, yes, this is, rezoning is a good idea. And then you can go to city council and then they also have to decide, yes, they're this, the this final
1: a good idea. sign
2: off. But just to be clear, we're talking about after Eleanor has had to re. Yes, yeah, she has to process. re-go to
0: UDC and Landmarks and before she can go to plan commission. I'm back at the beginning. Yeah. You... Get to go to plan commission, Percival, uh, because you are just doing a conditional use permit. And so they have the power to approve that for you right now. Um, Right this very second. (laughs) Um, Planning staff wrote a report about your proposed development, and they said... While this residence will be larger than a lot of the other single-family homes in the area, um, they don't think it will have a negative impact on the uh, uses, values, or enjoyment, or the nor- normal and orderly development of the surrounding properties. So the planning staff said that's probably okay, and Plan Commission approved it for you. Way to they go, did. man.
2: Oh, my gosh. Way to go. Do I win?
0: You, okay, you <laughs> almost win. Uh, okay. So before you can actually start, put that shovel in the ground you have to get an approval letter from zoning staff. That's because sometimes when you are approved for something, there are conditions on your approval. Like, okay, you can do it, but first you need to you know fix your lining of your driveway or you need to make it this many feet shorter or whatever the conditions may be. You don't have any conditions, so you just have to wait for the zoning department to approve it and then you got your approval letter in the mail. So now you can... What's the golden ticket? Put the shovel in the earth. You've done it, Percival. Your dreams can come true. Now, will yeah. you Will you have a
1: ceremonial shovel?
2: Uh, Percival's not a man of ceremony. He's <laughs> just going to get the letter, read it, and it's like, grab his shovel and just get to go He just it. wants to get to <laughs> work. He hasn't hired a, any kind of construction crew. He's going to build this, this home wow. himself. Wow. It's very industrious.
0: Wow. Him. One man, yeah. 20,000 square feet. Look at you. <laughs> Now, the interesting thing about the once you're approved by City Council or Planning Commission, um, and then before you get the zoning staff approval, um, so that can actually take like a pretty long time. I was talking to Kevin today, and depending on if there's a ton of conditions, you really have to go back into the nitty gritty and make sure they are all met before they give you the final approval letter sign off.
3: Some of the, the, the detailed engineering and so forth, that goes into projects after they're approved from a land use standpoint really can can vary considerably, but there are some processes that, that or some, some developments that really have taken some time to get through that, that process at the back end. So
0: for the public, it usually seems like once they get your, you know, um, plan commission or city council approval that you're done, but there's often still work for the developer to do after that.
1: I think that's good to point out because if, you know, certain residents are following a particular development and at city council, or if they know that, like, for example, plan commission can sign off on certain things, and then they're waiting and looking at that lot and thinking, where is you – know, yeah. where, where's the bulldozers? Like, where, where are the shovels? Like, we're not seeing any action. Um, I think it's good to know that there there are still steps that take place. That it's, you know, even though it seems like an, this approval, and then you can start right away that, you know, it's not as immediate as – kind of appears.
0: Yeah. And and the other side of that too, um, Kevin Farquhar was also saying that um, since people don't really get a behind the scenes look into what's going on for like city planning staff, you might just think that like the developer gives them a the proposal and then it shows up at like a plan commission meeting. But no, in between that time, they're reviewing the plans with all these agencies and trying to make sure they're in,
3: you know, conformance there is a fair amount of time, you know, depending on the proposal type, six weeks to two months that it would take for a proposal to be reviewed. Um, at that time, city agencies are doing their their technical review. Um, and again, that's agencies such as engineering, traffic, fire, the police department, planning, zoning, and they're all going to be looking at a piece of this this puzzle.
0: So there's a lot that goes on that you don't necessarily see from the outside.
3: So
2: based on, I mean, historical examples of this, like how long on the whole dead oh, Percival's process take versus Eleanor's?
0: Percival's was pretty quick. The so the pre-application process before you actually submit your formal um, application that can vary a little bit, but the formal review process of you submit your application and you're going to the city committees, that generally takes like two to three months. Um, Kevin says. Now, if you have to start all the way back over. You're, I mean, this is already going on, like, six or seven months, I think, at this point. Um, so it's supposed to take two to three months. But bigger, more complex projects will not
1: So just to fast.
0: recap, in, in real life, where is the State Street Hotel project? So the State Street Hotel just went back to Landmarks Commission, I think, this week or maybe last week. Um, and they got a better Landmarks Commission, um, like, approval. I think they did approve both the uh, front and the back of the building. Um, And then so they still are now scheduled to go to like UDC in August, I think, and then plan commission and then city council maybe in September at this point. So they're on the committee commission. Yes, they're in the they're all scheduled up. And if they don't get referred, then that's where they will stay. All right.
2: So, I mean, is the State Street Hotel like on the extreme end of the spectrum? It's
0: definitely on the more extreme end, like having to start all the way over. That does not happen like. I don't think I've ever, I mean, I haven't been here for very long, but I don't think I've ever seen that happen. But I think anytime you throw in landmarks, that does complicate things. Um, I mean, a big thing is too, if you're starting with a plan that is less in conformance with what the neighborhood plan says, or the city plan says, or zoning says, it's going to take longer because either you're going to have to keep adjusting your plans, or even if you just have neighborhood opposition, you're probably going to spend a lot of time trying to get them to accept your plans.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's good to really start with the neighbors early and the alders early. Too yes, Because absolutely. the alders will have answers to your questions or will get you in contact with staff who really know the answers to your questions, right. which could, you know, prevent a lot of things from going wrong
0: in the process. And neighborhoods really appreciate that when they know about projects earlier. And um, like Kevin said earlier today, that you can basically change the plans more because they're not so far down the line, you know. So they want neighbors to be able
3: to weigh in when it's still
0: They still have
1: power. Bottom line, don't surprise the
0: neighborhood. Yeah, no, that's a bad idea.
3: (laughs) We find that proposals are are more easily shaped um, before they get too far down the line and more detailed engineering goes into the the projects. So as part of that that pre-application phase, we generally try to get comments as soon as possible.
1: And if I could just point out also as far as that whole public input goes, I feel like um, that's especially important in Madison where uh, people Absolutely. are very interested in speaking out. And, um, I mean, depending on what project you have, um, you know, so in the case of a State Street hotel, I mean, people – People are going to care business, about it. Yeah, and even just pedestrians who might walk by every day might have very strong opinions about it. Whereas um, what Percival over here is building – uh, depending on the neighborhood, maybe it could be a problem, maybe it couldn't be. So
2: This podcast could honestly be named like Madison Cares a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's that kind of the true line yeah. Of, yeah. of everything that you're talking about.
0: Madison cares a lot. Yeah. So that's the development process, guys. If you want to build a building, remember, start with zoning and with zoning, actually, because you need permission <laughs> from the zoning staff. If, when it comes down to it, everything is really about zoning. <laughs> so as I that's why it was earlier. our first episode. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time to learn about the Entrepreneurial Center starting block, where uh, Eric Lawrenson will give us a deep dive into that organization. You can subscribe to the Blainers podcast on iTunes or anywhere else you get your podcasts. And please leave us a rating and a review. And while you're there, check out the other Times podcasts, like our election podcast, Wedge Issues, or our dining podcast, The Corner Table. See you all next time. And mm-hmm.